Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the From the Boardroom to the Film Room Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. You got a smile and a bit of a guffaw out of Joe. So, hey, hey Joe Mowgli, athletic chair at Coastal Carolina University, former head coach, former CEO, TD Ameritrade. We always grade Eben's introduction <laughs> there. So I think, if I may, from the boardroom to the film, I think it's a little cliche. I think it was kind of easy. I know it fits. I just think it's kind of easy. But it, once again, as always, he brought good enthusiasm. So would you please give me a coach's grade on Eben's introduction? I agree with the cliche only because I've heard that again and again and again. <laughs> that's oh. a B. But with the enthusiasm, oh. that's an A. So altogether, you've got a B plus here. We'll take that. I have low Very, standards. I you will know take what? that happily. I was going to – I think that's a little generous. You know, we obviously threw out the high and the low and got there, Evan. I mean, if <laughs> once somebody says to you, I've heard that a million times before, you, you instantly ne- you know you that. failed. never want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll give you the C+. Plus. I'm not going B+, plus, but C+. Plus. So we're, we're, we're okay. All right. Joe, I've lost track. I mean, let's just jump right in. Yep. Because I'm trying to keep up with all the, the NIL regulation – uh, I, I've lost track. I mean, that is a bad thing. If I cannot keep track of where who's got what plan and 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 who's putting out the other, that is a bad thing for NIL, in my opinion. Your your sense, thirty thousand foot view of the landscape of where we stand right now. Okay, so number one, I would agree with you, Scott, in terms of what everybody's trying to do and uh, try to get in the picture. The problem with the problem with that is I know everybody's got their heart in the right place and their head's in the right place. And I know Charlie Baker inherited what I think was a mess in the NCAA, and he's got, a, he's got a lot of work ahead of him. But when we need to go to, in the private world, when you need to go to the government to help us figure out our own stuff, that's usually, that's usually a mistake. Now, that's what we're doing. Well, in, your, in, yeah. your op-ed, in your op-ed for Sportico, I loved it. You wrote, where in the private sector does anybody look to the government for the solution? I, so I really do believe that. So with regards to the NCAA, uh, the, when, when NIL was first announced, uh, I, had, I was giving a talk to Division I athletic directors in Dallas. And they asked me for my, un- this is two and a half years ago, and they asked me for my unfiltered uh, perspective in terms of what's going on in college athletics. And I even said, are you guys sure you really want me to do this? And they said, yes. So I said, okay. So I, w- I, was, I was 
polite in terms of the way I handled everything. But when I got to the NCAA, I just couldn't handle it. And I said, I think that the NIL thing is the most significant thing to happen in the history of college sports, period. And for the NCAA to have abdicated their role there and just walk away when that was probably the time where we needed them the most, to me, is a horrific example of leadership. And leadership is a big part of my life and the way I think, et cetera. So that was an issue. So then I think, and I recommended to the athletic, all the athletic directors, I think you should break away from the NCAA and start your own group. Uh, if not, you've got to come up with your own solutions with regard to NIL. But frankly, the athletic directors or the athletic departments around the nation have not done a whole lot with that either. So now it seems the only thing they're trying to do is go to the government to try to help bail us out. Now, uh, I'm not against the players getting paid, and I'm not against the portal. And I'm not against somebody transferring, but the portal and the ability to transfer immediately, which, by the way, that was the, if I remember correctly, the NCAA only came up with two things after NIL was announced. One, they said, well, the coaches or anybody within athletics cannot speak to the collective or the, or the boosters that are providing the money for the job. That doesn't work. That's a rule that just doesn't work. Everybody's going to break it. Everybody's broken that from the very, very beginning, and everybody knows that. Okay, then the second thing was, in their wisdom, the, the transfer rule was there for a reason. So you can't just arbitrarily get up and leave. Now, Portal was something very, very positive, I think. And, uh, but then a, a, a coach, another coach, can, can, take any, can talk to anybody that they want to, which is fine. But they, if, if the way the rule was... They still got to consider, okay, now I'm, I'm, I want this kid and I'm sure I can help him with NIL or whatever it might be, but I'm gonna have to, he's going to come, he's going to have to sit out a year. And that's a bigger decision. Same thing with the play. That's a bigger decision. So when the NCAA, the second thing they did was they got rid of that rule. So anybody can come in at any time to try to woo away one of the people, one of the guys or the ladies that are on the portal. Uh, with, it's too simple. So without the structure that we really need to have, like if the, if the NFL would never run it this way, the NFL would go out of business. The, now we should be, probably be looking to the NFL in terms of guidelines as to how we should be handling this thing. But now we've got, you know, we've got the wild, wild west, and we have an auction with regard to the portal, and I don't think that's what anybody meant it to be from the beginning. But that's what it is, and we're definitely going in that direction, and I don't see the government necessarily fixing it. And if they do, the way government works, that's going to be two and a half years down the road. Joe, I'm kind of of the opinion, I'm curious what you think, but I'm kind of of the opinion that we are currently right now in college sports in this weird middle ground where athletes have gotten marketing rights that they should have had for a very long time. They're not yet getting paid by their university in the way that an employer-employee relationship. I think at some point very soon, at least at the biggest schools, athletes get to that point. Do you agree with that? Do you think we are going to look back at 2023 and, and think about that weird middle region where marketing rights were there and transfer rights were there, but they weren't getting paid the way that employees employers pay employees? Or do you think that we are going to be stuck in, in this mode for longer than I do? Well, I think we're going to be stuck in this mode for a while just because, uh, uh, Evan, everybody, they move so slowly. Right? Yeah. Then they have committees. Then the committees contradict each other. Then they're afraid to get sued. The bottom line is there's a working group for the there's a working group for the committee. <laughs> then they get to committee. 
Right. I mean, that's right. We used to call it the transition group. I don't know the committee. I don't know what they're calling it now. But every time, and I listened to a lot of the things that they were talking about two and a half years ago, and there were some good ideas there. But then there was always somebody else. Yeah, but, you know, we're not going to have, we're going to have a problem with legal. Or we're going to have a problem with girls' tennis. We've got a problem over here. You can't, you, the first thing you've got to do is take care of Power 5 football. That's where all the money is. You've got to be able to figure that out. And frankly, I think the best way to do that, I would commend Charlie Baker if he actually took a leadership role and helped Power 5 football break away. Mm. That would give him credibility, I think, with the rest of the sports that he's trying to do what he believes is the right thing. And even though these are tough decisions to make, he's making the tough decisions. So then I think he'll have more impact in terms of, in terms of the rest of the sports. And when but, you say, uh, Joe, when you say Power 5 because the definition is changing a little bit and certainly will would be in the next few weeks too where it would have been included right do you mean many, what's our power now yeah. Power three? What are we? What are we down to? I think we got power four, and we got a pack two. Yeah, <laughs> we got power four. We got a pack two. So if we look at it as previously, the previous power five schools, in effect, in football, they, they ought to be on their own. Look at Notre Dame as an example. Notre Dame is in a particular conference just for football, right? But not for anything else. Or no, no, I'm wrong. They're independent, and then they're in a conference right. for everything else, right? Yeah. Uh, so foot, right. correct. Independent in football, right? So f- there's no reason why. Uh, they, football and every one of the schools can have their own thing, and the rest of the the rest of the sports do what they need to do. And, and not only that, real way. quick, Scott and I talked about this last week on the podcast. Notre Dame, its its hockey program is in the Big Ten. It has other programs yeah. in in the ACC. Yeah. You yeah, can have ACC. a, a yep. team where some of your teams play somewhere regionally. Your volleyball teams, your gymnastics teams. You find a different conference for your soccer teams. It, there's no, nothing that says you need to for all 30 sports or all 16 sports, whatever your school offers. There's nothing that says they all need to be in the same conference with the same travel schedule. As Notre Dame does is exactly as you said, Joe. They can pick certain certain teams to be in this conference, certain teams to be in that conference. Keep your football independent. Those are all options that not enough teams, in my opinion, take part in. But are those just options because of the NBC money, Joe? Well, I think that I think that starts it. I think that starts it. So if you look at um, uh, the uh, if you look at the the, the what well, the Big Ten, if you look at the Big Ten, the Big Eighteen, and you look at USC and Southern Cal, I'm sorry, and UCLA. Well, in 2024, I think that a reasonable estimate is that each one of those schools, whether you're USC, whether you're Mich- Michigan, or whether you're Rutgers, you're going to get $100 million. That probably goes up every year. But $100 million, it's every year just for football. So why don't we get that right? And there are better ways to be able to do this, I think. But let's at least get that right. Now, for half of their in-season, for half of their conference games, UCLA and USC are going to have to travel 6,000 miles. They're going to have to go across the entire country, go back and forth each, you know, for multiple five or six weekends over the span of the season. Again, now, okay, they want to do that because $100 million, great. Should their softball program do that? So the UCL softball program, which is one of the best, best softball programs in the nation, along with maybe Arizona and Oklahoma, well, why, don't they have, why don't they have their own conference? I mean, every, everything we're saying now, guys, I think, is, you know what? It's good business. It's smart. It's common sense. But so, they're trying so to keep this out, original Joe, structure together. It doesn't work. All right, help me out. I'm, I'm literally scratching my head. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Be- because this seems so damn simple that you have got to figure out where all the revenue comes from, and that's what, as you have said, these are the big-time football programs. Start there, figure it out, and then you can come out with the groundwork for something else. I just don't – what is happening? Why doesn't that make sense? Why is there no movement toward that right now? 
I really believe that a really, really good leader stands on his own two feet, takes responsibility for him or herself, always treats others with dignity and respect, and they live with the consequences of your actions. You've got to have the courage to do what you believe is right. And I think if you thought maybe that's supposed to come from the NCAA, well, when they advocated their responsibility, I'm sure Charlie Baker was getting along fine with the presidents and the ADs and, and the respective conferences. But when they gave up their authority from when NIL was announced, I think they've really, truly lost their power. So you're going to try to do everything by committee. It takes too long. There's got to be a leader. There's got to be somebody in charge that's able to say, this is what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to do it. Now, let's figure out the best way to do it. Let's come up with a plan and stop giving me all the reasons why we can't do something. And let's start to figure out what we're going to do, why we're going to do it, and how we're going to do it. Because this is, I agree with you, Evan, this is not that difficult. But it takes leadership to get this done. All right, we're going around the table then, all right? We're, we're starting here. We're going around the table. First hand goes up. It's Joe Moglia. Who do you nominate to be the czar of major college football? Who was the person who has the fortitude, the intelligence, the experience? Who was the person? Give me that nominee. Who's the person? I think I'd probably go with Nikki Haley. I would Whoa. go with Nikki Haley. I would go with uh, – I, I, I would go I would She'd go drop with, out of the – she would drop out of the presidential <laughs> race for that. Well, yeah, she, that's a good gig. Well, if, if it doesn't – if it doesn't – work for her in the presidential race. I think she'd be perfect for something like this. So I, I think there are a list. I mean, I think John Curry, the, the, the athletic director at Wake Forest, I think he's, he's got good leadership skills. He's very, very bright. But again, he's connected with Wake Forest. You can't have too much of an, you can't be affiliated with a particular school or a particular conference because you're going to have a conflict of interest. But I think it's probably the business community because these are business decisions. But somebody who's really good, knows what he's doing, know what she's doing from the business community, or even government leadership. Now, I'm talking about somebody that might be qualified to be president of the United States could do this job. Uh, and it's not, by the way, it's not that Charlie can't do the job. I just don't think the job has the authority or the real power. It has influence, but it, well, but it doesn't have the authority his, that it well, used to have. Yeah. With his background, you had a sense right off the bat that they were looking for someone to come in and deal with Congress in terms of NIL regulation. Agreed. I mean, that was his yeah. background. You, I, yeah, you just sort of like knew the path that they were going to follow. I, I, I would agree with that. You know, just you know, for what it's worth, I was contacted for that job as well. And uh, I had three significant conversations. And the issues I had is that I think it's a tremendous prestigious position. It pays pretty well, but it's more of a figurehead now because they abdicated their responsibility from before. And if you were going to go in there, you got to clean house. Now, the board didn't want to clean house, and they didn't want to shake things up that way, and I didn't want to be a figurehead. So I had no interest. So I really, I literally had no interest in the job for those reasons. When they were, Charlie, Joe, when they were pitching you on that job, were they under the impression that this was the most powerful position in in college sports? I I was so fascinated by that job search because it, it came at a time, as you're saying here, where... No job candidate knew what the NCAA was going to be in 2023, let alone in 2026. Um, I, I'm very curious how, how they positioned that job to be for, for, for candidates they were looking at. When, when, I, when I talked about the current state of college athletics without leadership and the, the disgraceful thing that happened with the NIL, uh, they were saying that I would be the type of guy that would bring it back. I would, I would get everybody on board. And I said, I, I don't see how I can do that because everybody's going to operate under their own best interest. An individual university is going to do what they think is best for them. The league's going to do what they think, think is best for them. And I don't think college athletics is ready for significant changes. 
That's why whoever that person is got to be totally, absolutely in charge with an executive committee around them. And, you know, maybe it is supposed to be the president of the NCAA, but not the way it's currently set up. And uh, I think we got, we got to think outside the box. We've got to be able to adapt and adjust. We've got to have the courage to do what we believe is the right thing here. By the way, one day we're going to get there, but it's going to unfortunately probably be years down the road. We should look at the NFL as a model because, frankly, that's where we're headed. And we don't have to call the kids employees. They're professional student athletes. That's exactly what they are. Now, I was talking to Chip Kelly the other day at, uh, when we were playing out at UCLA. And Chip's a smart guy, and he's been around a while and has an awful lot of experience. And he talked about we should be able to actually make more money than what we're making today. Mm. I'm talking about the big 18, going to be a $100 million team. He said, there's no reason why we can't do better than that. So suppose you took the, what used to be the Power Five, the entire thing as a group, not individual conferences. You take all 65 schools or whatever it is, and now you start to negotiate the television rights. And you should be, I think the demand for all 60-something would be higher. And at Chip's opinion, I would agree with this. He thinks every school should be able, all 65 should be able to get $100 million. And there's enough money to be able to do that. That's way more uh, than teams are getting now, by the way. The teams right now are getting like 30, 40, 50, depending on where they are. 100 million is significantly more than, than anyone is getting currently. No, 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 100, 100 million is about what the Big Ten is going to get in 2024. Okay. Joe, do you see a world where the Silver Lakes, Bain Capitals of the world say, we can do this. We'll pay you up front and then let us, you know, let us be out there selling rights. We're willing to privatize this thing. I can see that. I can see something like that. I don't know what kind of cooperation they're going to get on the other side. Remember, we're dealing with academia. And truly, the people in academia, truly in academia, you know, the ones that care about athletics, they're smart. They know what to do when they're on top of stuff. But ability, ability to kind of assess real risk-reward is not one of the strengths that college athletics have. Now, college athletics would say, well, that's ridiculous. I don't know what I'm talking about, but... I, I, I've been around it long enough to understand that they, they, they don't want to rock the boat. And in this case, you've got to be willing to break some glass and make some real changes. And people are very, very hesitant to change. It's part of human nature. I was going to ask you, Joe, about essentially what, exactly what you just said. The, 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 the part of me that understands the business of college football totally understands why you, Texas and Oklahoma want to be in the SEC, why UCLA and USC want to be in the Big Ten. It makes so much financial sense. And then the part of me that thinks about the academic mission of the universities says it makes no sense at all that, that, that USC and UCLA should want to be in the Big Ten. As someone who's been a football coach, been, a, been an athletics administrator for a long time as well, how do you think about how an athletic department should think about the, the profit motive on one hand and then the academic student welfare piece on the other end, because to me, they run very often run in direct competition with each other. I think you've got to be able to balance. You've got to be able to balance what's going on. We live in a litigious society where everything tries to get regulated. I mean, what, we have 40,000 pages for the IRS? The, 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 golf, the golf guidelines, the golf rules, 120 pages. So if you got to get, if you, you, need, if you need a judge to come over and help Tiger Woods decide where he's supposed to drop the ball when he hits it across the red line, it's too complex. We don't need all this. The NCAA manual is pretty significant. It's pretty big. Pretty, uh, but but what, we, what we need to do, what we need to do is you can't legislate ethics. You can't legislate the courage to do what you believe is the right thing. And I, I think that 
a, a typical athletic department in terms of going back to what we just talked about, they got to be able to balance the needs of the students with, with, with the, the needs of the, the fight of, of, of fiscally for what that particular university or athletic department needs. You got to ba- be able to balance that. Now, what clearly you see, no matter what they say. So when I first got to Coast Carolina, I kept hearing the NCAA, we're going to take care of the student athlete, student athlete, student athlete, student athlete, until the money started to become really big. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, very, very clear, action speaks louder than words. No matter what they say, the money is more important than the student, him or herself. If it weren't, they wouldn't be asking the, the volleyball team from USC to travel 6,000 miles every now and again, be out of class for quite a while, but they're doing that because the money is significant. Now, there... The point is, that's just football, as we were talking about before. They could do that for football, and they don't have to do that for everybody else. And, and I said, now, by the way, you could check me on this. Uh, Netflix, and it may not be Netflix, so I could be off on this. I think the last quarter they reported something like $6 billion or $8 billion in profit. <laughs> not bad. So if you went to Netflix, if you went to Netflix with the 65 schools and said, hey, we're going to give you the whole shebang. You got everything. And by the way, once we do that, now we're going to divide up into maybe two or three conferences and we'll do it geographically where everything really makes sense. And we're going to do this just for football. It makes so much sense. And I believe, I believe, and Chip really believed this. And he had a lot of good reasons. I suggested when the season's over, he should not recruit. He should just go try to get this fixed. And I, but I believe every, 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 no reason why every school could get $100 million. They used $75 million for the program and they used $25 million for the players. And this was Chip's idea also, which I thought was a great one. Each player that's a freshman gets hundred grand. If you're a sophomore, you get two hundred grand. If you're a junior, you get three hundred grand. If you're a, if you're a senior, you get four hundred grand. You add all of that. That's a million dollars. That's a million dollars. But it's it, that's over the span of four years. Get rid of the get get rid of the fifth year rule. Get rid of that altogether. So you're only playing four years. That's it. That's what that that would be what's going on. Uh, there needs to if if you now then if you want to transfer, you give up whatever money you were supposed to get at that particular time. Uh, I, you got to work out the details around that, but it's so much better than what we have today. I mean, we got to have transparency. They say, well, what transparency? But you know, we can't talk. Well, it should be it should be out there. If, if someone's going to get five million dollars. Well, we should know about that. If someone's going to get $25,000 on a car deal, we should know about that. Now, I like the idea of a standard contract. You got to get rid of, for the time being, at least you got to get rid of the transfer rule. You can't just automatically transfer. You got to have structure and guidelines around this. And you can't wait two and a half years for the government to come up with this. There's no reason why we can't be doing these things right away. But again, if you're going, if you're going to do something that's not in the best interest of a league or a conference or a team... You know, they're going to balk it. They're going to smile, but they're not going to do that. Eben, who would have known that Reed Hastings was going to be the savior of college football? That's it. We got it. It's all Reed Hastings over at Netflix. And by the way, we admit things here that other people don't admit, Joe. When you said 100,000 freshmen, 200,000, you're like, that's a million dollars. I don't know why, but my brain, I'm like, that's not a million dollars. And I'm like, four, three, two, one. Yeah, that's ten. That's, that's a million dollars. <laughs> Math is not our strong suit. I, I act, yeah, I actually had to go on the fingers. I'm like, wait a minute. That is a million dollars. Totally just screwed it up. But, uh, you know, I mean, you, you brought know, up something. Th- th- this is an iPhone. <laughs> I can swipe this down, uh, and got, I, can, I get a calculator. get a calculator. I, I know. I need to use You're right. I need to use that stuff. But you said NFL twice, Joe. You're like, we got to yeah. do what the NFL is doing. Yeah. And, and you've also mentioned sort of the disparate interests yeah. in maybe the bigger programs and the smaller. And I think that's where the conflict lies. 
because you need the right people, like you said, who believe and are, are willing to sacrifice for the collective. If you go back to the early days of the NFL, they had to go to guys like Wellington Mara in New York and say, hey, you can't have all the money. I know you're New York, but you got to share some with the other people. You need somebody to play Wellington. It only makes sense if you have good competition. You have to help your partners. And he bought in right away said, you're right. That's the way this works. I don't know if you ever get to that point in college athletics. But that would, I think that would be a great, great goal to think about. It really, really would be. It would be a great goal to be able to achieve. So to go back to the concept. There's all 65 teams. So all 65 teams get the same $100 million. They all get the same amount of money. And uh, now what does that come to? Is that $6.5 billion? Oh, <laughs> oh, you're asking me, man. Okay. Thank you very much, times, Joe. Times get, let me get my iPhone. Hold on. The, uh, Evan, help me. You went to Princeton. But, 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 the, but the point is, is there is enough money to be able to do something like that. And I, th- I think aligning geographically across the country, and maybe you have three conferences. And by remember, all 65 from a financial perspective being treated equally. Now, that doesn't change, but Nebraska's going to have 100,000 people every day, every week in the stands. That's not going to be true. And that's just for the volleyball team. Right. Well, yeah, that wasn't that's that just something. for the volleyball wasn't team, Wasn't that Joe. something? Wasn't that something? <laughs> now, Vanderbilt's not going to have that. But, okay, you, so you still have your individual budgets, and you make whatever you make. But everybody gets well, the same Well, that's sort of like the dollars. NFL, too. But, but we take that yes. into account. There's yes. shared yes. revenue in the NFL. Yes. And then as Jerry Jones pushed early on as the outlaw, he said, I want to keep my local revenue. Why should somebody else share in that? If uh, why should somebody share my sweets in that? So you do keep your local revenue, but you do share the national revenue. That's sort of one like other thing the NFL so does they're... is players get fifty percent of the revenue they're making. And and from yeah. from numbers that you're mentioning from Jim from from Chip Kelly, Joe, he's talking about maybe twenty five percent going back to players. I, yeah. I do think of a hundred million. Yeah, of hundred million. As you get as you get more like the NFL, I do think you also need to be doing more for players, even than what's being done right now financially. In my opinion. Well, one of the things, well, what we're talking about is pretty good right now. It's pretty good. And uh, now, by the way, one of the other things that he said, so everybody gets the same amount of money. But if you're good enough, no more collectives. The collectives go away. Right? So the, if, and if you're good enough to be able to get your own contract, like with Nike, you can have that. But that's a deal you have with Nike. There's no side deal over here that you're going to get paid X amount of dollars to go someplace to sign autographs for 15 minutes a week. Right. So if you can orchestrate a deal where you would represent a major firm as their, as, as, you know, as, as their person, well, you could do all that. But that's individual, and that's only going to happen in a r- rare situations. Yeah. So there will be people that could make a lot more than that, but they got to be, you know, they got to be the top, truly top players in the country. Joe. But everybody would, the whole point is everybody would get the exact same thing. There's no collective, there's no, that's it. Everybody's going to be treated the same. Where does this this whole idea we're talking about, we're talking about the, the, the big schools, the 65 biggest athletic departments in the country, where does this thinking leave Coastal Carolina or yeah. Memphis or Western Kentucky, the, the, the back half of FBS? Yes. What happens yes. with, with those schools if this is successful or as the professionalization of college football continues to progress? Okay, so right now, the G5 schools, the group of five schools, are a significant disadvantage to the Power 5 schools. Use, now, I know it's the bigger number, but use the 2024 number for the Big Ten. That's $100 million. Our entire athletic budget for everything, including football, is $35 million. Yeah. Including football, okay? So we're not going to ever, ever, ever have, and 90% of the group of five schools are not ever going to have that. All right? So that's the situation today. Now, I think if you get, you got, you got to take, take one step at a time here. You can't do everything at once. So you take the power five football, there's 65 of them, and you get that right. 
Now, once you get that right, now you do the same thing for the group of five. Hmm. Now, you won't get 100 million, but there's no reason why you can't get maybe 20, 25, 20, 20, 25 million. So we still got about 60, 65 schools. That'll cost, that'll cost the, uh, uh, the networks or the, the streamers like $700 million. Good math. For, but, but, but then about. But then, but then again, the G, all the G5 schools would be treated equally. And then if you want to play up, you know, to play a guarantee game, well, then there's no reason why the, the, the Power 5 schools with the money they've got can't, can't give you three or four, five million dollars for that. Hmm. And everything starts all to prove. Right. But get the, first, get the thing with the most money right. And we don't have students. We don't have, we're not going to be, they're professional student athletes. That's what we've got. And I'm not against any of that, but we just got to get it right. Got it right. Use the NFL as a model. We are becoming more and more and more professional and more and more and more money uh, monetarily oriented. Well, look at somebody Ch-ch-ch- that that's all they focus on. Real good competition, real good teams, getting the right people in the right spot, take care of the particular franchise, take care of the entire league, all 32 teams, and that's what we can do. We should, no reason why we can't do that. Beginning with Power 5 football, then I think you should go to the Group of Five. And that'll significantly right, enhance what Group of Five's got. Joe, you know how The Simpsons predicts everything? You know, I, I think I have something here. I think I know how this is going to shake out. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. <laughs> Me neither. We're, we're, yeah, we're, no, yeah, uh, this is a good one, Evan. I think. All right, because I had to go to my phone. I have my senators right here, John Hickenlooper and Michael Bennett from Colorado. Clearly, one will be replaced by Deion Sanders in the near future. <laughs> then Deion, off that platform, becomes the president of the United States. President <laughs> Sanders figures this all out with the decree. That's how this shakes out. Mark my words. That's how this it's is going to It's so crazy you know that it's possible. The only problem with that is that that will take 12 years. <laughs> you know? Uh, that's and like true. And the stuff we're doing right now in Congress, is going to be two and a half years. So we, we, we need All a better right. solution. That may be true. We need a better solution. Uh, speaking of solutions, I spent a lot of my youth in the Riverdale section of the Bronx. Yep. That's where my grandmother where did was you go, Where did you go to school? You, where did you go to high school? Now, I, 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 I was in Brooklyn, okay. but my grandmother was in the Bronx. Okay. So I went to Midwood. Yeah. So, you know, my father, I, know I had one of those New York families, yeah. mother from, from Brooklyn, father from the Bronx. Okay. So a little, little torn in my household, but I spent a lot of time in Riverdale at my grandmother's house. Obviously, stone's throw from Fordham. Yep. Uh, putting your name on the building, that, that's pretty cool stuff. Thank you. And for people who don't know, by the way, I'm a Syracuse grad. People know the Newhouse School of Public Communications. I'm a Newhouse grad. You know the litany of people who went there. But there is a damn good list of sportscasters and writers that came from Fordham that people yes. probably don't know. Starting with, how about the name Vin Scully? Yep. You know that guy? Yep. You ever hear Vin Scully? Yep. Yeah. Mike Breen, Michael Kay, Bob Papa. You want to keep going? Sal Marciano, John Andres, Chris Ooh. Carino. Down the list. That, that, no, no. These are, I mean, people don't know that Fordham produces like, excellent, excellent journalism and, and broadcasting. So, Joe, now tell me, with, with, your, with your name coming on the building and the school, what do we need to know there? Well, name's going to go on the stadium, by the way, which, which, by the way, for me is one of the greatest honors of my life, and it truly humbles me, and I'm proud of that. Um, I think Fordham has done a great job of growing over the span of the last couple of decades. It's got a great reputation for academics. It's a good, solid Patriot League uh, competitive uh, French, uh, uh, school with regard to sports and athletics. Without question, they've got uh, they, they, sports and academics. Without question, they really care about the academics. They've got... I mean, economics majors, they got business majors, they got education majors. You kind of name it, they have that with good pre-med programs, good pre-law programs. But I think Fordham does a great job of trying to truly educate the entire person, the whole man, the whole woman. 
It's about academics. It's about real life. It's about sports. It's about social. It's about all those different things. And I think they take those things seriously. Uh, it's a Jesuit, Jesuit-run school. And the whole premise or mission for the Jesuits is this is service for others. You're always taking care of others. So real leaders is not about them. It's about, about, it's about the people that they're responsible for. And I think Fordham has done a great job of that. And by the way, like Fordham, the way I think of it is Fordham is my school, but New York City is my campus. They have a campus in Lincoln Center in Manhattan, right in Lincoln Center. And they have a beautiful campus in the Bronx, which is fenced off from the rest of the Bronx. And it's called Rose Hill for a reason, because they've got beautiful flowers yep. and beautiful color there. People that are not familiar with the school, frankly, would be impressed if they became familiar with the school. Now, Eben, you know, he chose Princeton and said he also chose, by the way, you're looking at a lightweight football player on the left side of your screen. There, <laughs> oh, there Joe. you go. There you go. Yeah, you go ask him his record, oh, Joe. Gosh. Ask him his record. Eben, what was your record? Uh, we, we, we won zero games and we lost. Uh, we <laughs> lost a lot of them by, by very, by very <laughs> large scores. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, the NIL money was not flowing. It was not coming. I, I was just—I was curious that uh, looking at—I I went to look up the Fordham athletic budget. It's essentially identical to the Coastal Carolina budget. I was kind of surprised by that. Obviously, competing in a slightly different class, football-wise, but but both schools seem to be right around the thirty-six, thirty-seven million dollar a year mark. You know, one of the things that I have found, and uh, Matt Holgar, athletic director, kind of made this clear to me, that there are a lot of different ways to be able to count that when you come up with public sure, numbers. Yeah. So they're, they're not numbers that you can 100% necessarily count on. And uh, there are examples of that that I'm not, not giving, giving them to you out of, out of discretion. I'm just, I don't necessarily know those. Yeah. But, like, so if they're 35 million, the same as our 35 million, I don't know. Frankly, I think they, because of New York City, they probably should have a bigger budget. Hmm. They're probably offering more teams. Right. New, yeah. New, York, New York City is more expensive than Conway, South Carolina. <laughs> Just a little bit, I don't know if you sure, guys know yeah. this. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, uh, and, I, and, real, and clearly the reasons why you went to Princeton and Syracuse is obviously you couldn't get into Fordham. I get that. I, don't be ashamed <laughs> of that. That's true for a lot of people. <laughs> Syracuse was my safety school. There we go. Very, very happy to be here. Well, well Joe Moglia, I, I, you know, we have a whole bunch of titles that people often refer to you, and you, you can go to TD Ameritrade, you can go to Coast Carolina. I'm just going with Crusader, college football Crusader. That's what it sounds like to me. So, Joe, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. We really do appreciate Guys, it. Guys, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. All right, Eben. I mean, like I said, Crusader. Joe Moglia, Crusader. I mean, he is saying if you need the courage, you need the will, you need the, the fortitude, you, you just got to willing to do it and you know, put football to the side. You got to solve that first. These seem like common sense approaches to me. Yeah, what he says makes total sense. And he's also right about how big a lift this would be. The, 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 it's easy, I think, as Joe laid out there, to think about a perfect vision for this if you could just make it from Plato, right? But the problem is you have 100-plus years of institutional rivalries and, 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 and a group of presidents who have other things on their mind besides athletics, and it, it's really hard to make change in the NCAA. He joked about it. He's exactly right. These things happen at glacial paces. What have we already and, seen, and if, Evan? We've already seen the, conf- the, the schools that, we, we, by perception, bring in more eyeballs, bring in more money, saying we need a greater share of, right? 100%. And that, that just doesn't work. 
and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a large leap for these schools to change conferences. It is a monumental leap by that thinking to to break away football entirely and leave the conference entire. Like all those things are again, especially in this industry, as Joe pointed out, um, it may be impossible, but it would take such a dramatic rethinking of the business of college sports for people to even entertain the idea of the large scale change that he's talking about, and that quite frankly, this industry needs as it continues to professionalize. All right, I'm going to do it one more time before you close. Vin Scully, Mike Breen, Michael Kay, Bob Papa, Sal Marciano, John Andres, Chris Carino. I can keep going, but there you go. And and on to Syracuse's list, Scott Soshnick. You can find him at... How about uh, the Hall of Fame at Syracuse? <laughs> really ticks me off. I didn't donate <laughs> a lot of soon. money. No, the, wall, the Hall of Fame wall at the Newhouse School of Public Communications... I guess the Marv Alberts and the Iron Eagles are no-brainers. I got it, but come on. There are a lot of people on that wall have done a lot less than Scott Soshnick. Going to get the hashtag together until you yes. can find him. Let's get at this the... trending. Let's get this trending. <laughs> what, is it? what would it be? Uh, vote Scott, maybe? Hashtag vote, vote Scott. Scott, yeah. S- <laughs> with Scott with SU. SU something. I Come on. Jeez. And, and Scott, you can share that hashtag at your Twitter account, which is yes. at Soshnik. Uh, I will nice. also share it from my Twitter account. I am at Novi underscore Williams. Uh, Sportacast is produced by oh. Aaron Greenewald <laughs> and Keith Zanardi. So shout out to both of them. Sportico's digital media editor, Cora Veltman, would like you to know that you can follow the show at Sportacast which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.